Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We're going to talk today about something as we kind of launch into our September season. Uh, September is kind of a kickoff season for, for a lot of people, kickoff season for families, going, kids going back to school. Some people start new jobs. People do all sorts of stuff. And so it's just a season of newness. And so with this season of newness, I wanted to kind of take a moment to talk about the idea uh, that we are the church. And, uh, you know, uh, the church is, was founded by Jesus. It was launched by the Holy Spirit, and it was built by his disciples. And over many, many years, uh, many people have experienced different forms of the church. The Catholic Church, the interdenominational church, the house church, the non-denominational church, the, the, the small church, the big church, the mega church, the now they call them the uh, giga church, churches of 25,000 or more are giga churches, hello. Churches, 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 many of us here have experienced church. Some people here today may be, Ryan, that's not me. I didn't grow up going to church. I don't know anything about church, and I'm really glad you're here today. If maybe you're not a follower of Christ, or it's your first time, or you're, maybe you've never heard about God, or you've never been to church before, this is a great day to be here. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I believe is the whole idea behind church, and I believe by the end of today, you'll be encouraged and inspired to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, many of us, those of us who've been a part of the church, might agree that there's been churches across uh, in our life that we've experienced that feel lifeless. Churches that feel loveless. Churches that feel powerless. Maybe you've been to a church before and you've walked in and the moment you walked in, you felt this cold chill down your spine that I don't belong here. <laughs> Or maybe you've walked into a church where I saw a video where a pastor was preaching and he, uh, there was a couple in the church who was having marriage problems and he called them out in the service and had them stand up and he, he publicly addressed their sin in front of the entire church. Or maybe you were a visitor and the pastor said, okay, everybody stand up and shake that one person's hand and everyone's shaking your hand. And maybe you've been in those type of church environments where, where you, you said you just haven't had a, a great experience or maybe it's been uh, a church for you where you've been a church your whole life and you've been hurt by a leader or you've been hurt by a system or you've been hurt by a program or you've been hurt by an ideology or a philosophy or a way of doing church and so your experience with church is that man I'm a little bit guarded because I was really badly wounded in my church experience and again maybe you're here today and you say Ryan I have no idea about church and if this is how we're starting I don't think I want to be involved but either way, all of us have had different expressions of church. We've all experienced different things in our life. We've all experienced different realities. And the, rea the, the reality is, is, that, is that our world, our media, our culture is kind of painting a picture about the Christian church. You know, if you're, though you're here today and you've had a bad experience, I went through a journey in my own life where I've kind of come to the conclusion that this is the reality of church. I'm going to share some, some truths about church, that the church is God's idea. It wasn't man's idea. It was God's idea. The problem with most churches is that there's people in them. And that people are fallen. They're saved and forgiven and transformed by God, but they're, they're, they're sinners. Or they're, you know, they're redeemed and they're transformed, but they make bad choices. Or they're passionate for God and want to build a great church and they get sidetracked. The reality is, is that the problem isn't the idea of the local church. The problem is people. Yeah. 
People cause problems in the church. It's just a reality. Pastors, leaders, people, we're fallen individuals, just like you're a fallen individual. So I just want to start with that thought today. God taught me that lesson that, Ryan, don't give up on my church. God's church, that's God's idea. That was Jesus started the church. Jesus originated the church. And today, by the time I'm done, you're going to understand the vital importance of the local church for every single person in the city of Calgary and every single person in this world. You might ask the question, okay, Ryan, with all the criticism going on with the Catholic church, with the Protestant church, with the evangelical church, you know, people raising money to buy jets and people having moral failures and this person carrying those signs about bad things about people and you're going to go to hell and all these things. Ryan, with all of the media attention on all those bad things about the church, do you think that the church is going to last till the end of time like God says it will? Do you think that the the church is going to make it through all of the stuff of our society? Do you think the church is going to last? Do you think the church is going to deteriorate into a little ball and it'll be nothing in a few years? Well, we can start today with a, a very important uh, understanding is that empires throughout history have been the, 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 uh, the staple of culture for generations from the Roman uh, Empire to the, the Persian Empire to the Ottoman Empire. Hundreds of years and millions of people all believing that this was going to be the fixture of society forever and all of those empires have fallen billion dollar companies have all the assets in the world to buy whatever they want with all these billion dollar assets they have companies that are incredible and large and massive they can never fail but they fail the nabisco and schwinn and and uh, and texaco and Lehman brothers all gone see empires fall We see billion-dollar companies fall. Why do I think that the church will continue? And this is why, very clearly in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said this to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Do you want to know why the church will continue to be what it is until the day the, the, the sun cuts into two and this whole thing's over? By the time we get to the very last page of this life, the reason the church will exist is because the church is built on Jesus Christ. And Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. And Jesus says, that's my idea. And I'm going to build it for my kingdom. And I'm going to see things happen. And I'm going to see transformation of people's lives. The church will continue with or without us when we're in it, when we're out it. The church is going to continue because it's God's idea and Christ is the center of the church. Jesus built the church. And so 2,000 years ago, the church started. And it was a beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. It wasn't started with the rich or the powerful or the influential or the political. It was started with a bunch of people, fishermen and, and random individuals who mad, fell madly in love with this man named Jesus Christ and gave their lives to follow him forever. It started as a, a radical revolution of people experiencing the love and power of Jesus Christ. See, it's right. If the, if the foundation of the church is Jesus, then what is the message of Jesus? What is the reason for the church? Why does the church exist? If the church is built on Jesus, then the church has a foundation. Is the foundation or the message that the world receives judgment? Is the foundation 
or the message that the world receives condemnation or hate? Is it a message of, I don't want you, or a message of, you're not good enough, or a message of, there's too much sin, or a message of, that culture's too dirty? Is the message of, of the church, if Jesus is the foundation, then the message of the church is love. And the core foundation of the church is love. I want to show you something that is so simple, but it should revolutionize your perspective of the message of the church. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 a bunch of Pharisees were talking to Jesus, and it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So uh, the thousands of years and the 600 some odd laws and the prophets that have spoken these words and all these years of the law of Moses all sum it up into one word, sum it up into one phrase, What's the most important? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. So Jesus says, listen, you want to know what the most important message of the church is? You, I want you to be passionately, passionately in love with Jesus Christ. I want you to be so passionately in love with God that it transforms your mind. I want you to be so passionately in love with Jesus that it changes what you do on your physical outside with your energies in your life. I want you to be so passionately in love with God that it, it controls your emotions, that your emotions won't control you any longer. I want you to be passionately and desperately and deeply in love with God. That is the first and foremost reality of the local church, that the people who are in the church, people who call themselves followers of Christ, must be so desperately and passionately in love with their Savior, Jesus Christ. He continues. He says, Jesus replied. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he said in verse 39, a second is equally important. Did you catch that? Equally he just put loving God on the same playing field as loving our neighbor. He said it's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus says, you want to know what the foundation and the message of the church is? Love God passionately and love other people like you love yourself. This is refer specifically referring not to Christians. This is specifically referring to individual people who are far from God. People who don't know Christ. People who don't have an awareness of this loving God. People maybe have grown up in a, a different religion or different environment or they've been distant from God or maybe they started as a follower of God and they fell away for some reason or the other. They found themselves alone and distracted and dejected and broken and hurting and they're, they're li living their lives without the saving power and love of Jesus Christ. That verse is referring to your neighbor. Referring to the person you're standing next to at Starbucks. Referring to the person that you work with in the next cubicle. It says just as much as you love God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, you should love them and just treat them like yourself. How often do you think about yourself? What you're going to eat, how you're going to dress, your hair, how you're going to live your life, the things you're going to buy, all of those thoughts about yourself. He's saying now turn them and put those on people that don't know me. 
The message of the church is to love God passionately. The message of the church is to love others just as passionately. And then he drops this last one right before he's about to be crucified. The disciples are sitting in a room. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the creator of the universe, is on his hands and knees with a towel, and he's washing Judas' feet, who in an hour is about to betray him to be crucified. Peter, who's going to deny him three times, and ten other disciples that we rarely ever hear about. Jesus washes their feet, and then he stands up and he says this. So now I'm going to give you a new commandment. This word new means they hadn't talked about it yet. This is the first time Jesus stood in front of his disciples and said, listen, I've taught you to love me and I've taught you to love people who don't know me. Now I want to give you something new that might be the hardest thing of all. I want you to love other followers of Jesus. He says, this is a new command I give you. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Look at this. Follow along here. Your love for one another. So this is talking about Christians loving Christians, believers loving believers, not believers loving unbelievers. We've talked about that. Now we're talking about how you love one another. In this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, he says, this will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So now Jesus sets this clear mantra. He says, okay, the purpose of the church is to love God. The purpose of the church is to love your neighbor passionately. The purpose of the church is to love one another, to wash one another's miry, nasty old feet and deal with all each other's issues and love one another and put up with one another and deal with one another and work with one another and party with one another and have fun with one another and be with one another, to love one another. The mantra, the message, the purpose of the church is to love, 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 love. And see, this love, the love that we experience, it's the foundation of our church. It's the foundation of being a believer. It's the, it's the message that we send. And guess what? This message transforms hearts. There is nothing else on this planet that can change the trajectory of your life like encountering the love of Jesus. In fact, it's made such an impact on our society Today, the church is stronger than it's ever been before. Today, the church is making an impact across our planet. And you might not even realize this, but there's over five, or there's over five million Christian churches across the world. Did you know that, that, that uh, Christianity, the church, has impacted the church with art and architecture, literature and music? It was and is shaped by the local church. I did a little uh, research on Nobel Prizes between 1901 and the year 2000. And 60, over 66% uh, of those who won a Nobel Prize were professed followers of Jesus Christ. You see here that the church in, in 369 AD, the church built the first hospital and is still the largest provider of health care in history. You see, it was the, it, the church was the first to stand up for the rights of children and created the first and largest orphanage system in the world. One out of, 100, uh, of the first 100 universities built in America uh, were founded as Christian institutions like Yale and Princeton and Harvard. The church has made a significant impact on culture for generations. It's something the church, the church can do what the government can never do. 
The church will do what the government can never do. Every day the church brings food and fresh water to people across the world. Every day the church helps widows and orphans across the world. Every day the church fights to free slaves who are in human trafficking. Every single day the church helps bring relief to people impacted by natural disaster. Our church alone in the first two years, by the end of this year, will have given between thirty dollars and $40,000 away to people across this world. We've given uh, thousands of dollars to a refugee program in Sicily where 800,000 Africans are crossing the water, the Mediterranean Sea, to try to get safety. And there's a, a, a par- we have a partnership with the church there. And we are helping invest in the refugees and bringing them food and water and helping them. We just wrote a $1,000 check for a new church plant up at Edmonton, Kingdom Church, launching in two weeks. We've helped widows. Every year we give uh, backpacks away to orphans and we give food and, and Christmas presents to those in whole services and also to those in the Boys and Girls Club. The church is making an impact in the city of Calgary and you gotta know it today. The church is alive. God's on the throne and he's gonna do something in this city. The church is alive. It's not dead. It's not powerless. It's not lifeless. It's not loveless. The message of the cross, the message of this church is love. We plan to continue to give away more money and do more as much as we can and partner with homelessness and partner with those who are hurting and people with mental challenges. We want to do orphanages and foster care programs and we want to see people know, people who need help, helped across the world and you get to be a part of that. You think I gave that money? You gave that money. When you give to this church and you give your 10% or you give your offering, we steward that money and we make sure that we are blessing people across the world. You did that, not me. Give yourself a hand. That's right, amen. You're making an impact across the world. You're making an impact by giving so generously. The church is alive and well today. In a lonely and an oppressed world, the church opens its doors to those who are in need. This church is a revolution. Come on, this church is a radical revolution. You say, Ryan, I don't know about the church you're talking about. I haven't seen that church. Well, come on. God, by God willing, we're going to build that type of church. That's a radical revolution that will impact the lives of people for the love and the power of Jesus Christ. Name one thing that's going to change the trajectory of the pe- people's lives on this planet. Nothing like the power of Jesus, nothing like the love of Jesus, nothing like the message of Jesus. When we named our church and we we started our church, you see here the idea of experiencing and expressing the love of Jesus came from this verse. This is the foundation of my heart for our church. Paul's praying for the church saying, "And and may you have the power to understand. So he's saying, I pray that you have the power to grasp. I pray you'd have the power to grasp this, this thing called love. He says, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Look at this. Here's the the cool part. Then you'll be made complete with all the what? Fullness of life. (laughs) And you will receive the power that comes from God. When you have an experience with God's love, when you experience Jesus' love, 
when you express Jesus's love, you are having an encounter with the, the, the creator of the world and it will change your life like nothing else in this world will. No drug, no alcohol, no relationship, no, no, no nothing, no entertainment, no travel. There is nothing you can do on this planet that will give you the fullness of life like experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. And that's our heart people will experience the love of Jesus. People will experience that. So if the message, or the founder is Jesus, he's the center, and the message is love, how do people hear that message? His church. His church is the tool. It's the key. It's the instrument. The church is the hope of the world. I am a firm believer that it isn't a man and it isn't a woman. It's God's church. And the thing that's going to bring salvation to this city and the thing that's going to change your life, the thing that's going to give you meaning, the thing that's going to give you purpose, the thing that's going to help you in your relationships, the thing that's going to train you to be a married person and have kids, the thing that's going to help you progress in your life ain't no self-help program. It's not a counseling program. It's not a program at an academia. It is the local church. The local church is the hope for all humanity, for all mankind, for all history, for all time. The church is the hope of the world and you get to be a part of it you don't just get to be a part of it you get to be a vital part of what God is doing in the kingdom of God in this city right now we need to have a group of people who are passionately in love with Jesus, who are passionately in love with other people, who are passionately in love with each other to go out and share this message, to tell people, hey, come on, I want you to know about this loving Jesus because there's nothing else on this planet that can change people's lives. You think you can give them a book to help them? Awesome. Let them experience the love of Jesus Christ and it will transform them forever. It will change generations to come. They'll, their children's children's children will now know God just just because your one moment you said, I'm going to love God passionately. I'm going to love my neighbor passionately. And I'm going to love those I go to church with passionately. And you watch what happens to your neighbors. Right. You watch what happens to the people you work with. It will transform their life forever. This is the only power, the only thing that can change the human heart and the composition of a human heart is the love of Jesus Christ. Look at the scripture. This is right before Jesus uh, left the earth. Uh, so Jesus had been crucified. He, on the third day, historically proven, he rose on the third day. There was over 500 witnesses that saw it and wrote about it several times through a book that's been proven to be literal and real through scholars, secular, and Christian. Jesus rose from the dead. And then he met with his disciples. And he says, okay, the church is about to start. And I'm going to use you guys. But listen, he gave him some instruction. These were actually Jesus' last words. Before he left the planet, this is what he said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere 
in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus' literal last words, about to go to heaven, about to leave his disciples, about to depart. The last thing he says to his disciples, oh, by the way, the church is about to start, and the purpose of the church is to tell everyone everywhere about the love of Jesus Christ. That's his last statement for the church. (laughs) The last thing he says. Mostly, the most important words most people say is their last words. In most cases, hey, one more thing before I go. And Jesus says, (laughs) it's that you would be a witness. Is that my church would be a witness. Is that my church would tell everyone about the saving, loving power of Jesus Christ. So this means that our church, the local church, is the hope of the world. Now listen, the local church isn't a man-made organization that's about buildings, boards, and budgets. But a radical revolution of people who love God passionately, love their neighbor like themselves, and love other Christians just as Jesus did. So, Jesus is the center. The message is love. The responsibility is to share with everyone. So now we know the purpose of the church. So that means every person who calls themselves a member or part of the family of a church, a local church, uh, specifically Love City Church, you have to understand that now we understand that what we do in the church is very important. If we have the only hope for the planet, if we have the cure for cancer, it's really important that what we do with this church is exactly what God wants us to do. It's really important what we do has great, great importance. This means that each member of the church really matter. Everyone plays a part, and we have to understand that each of you, if you're a follower of Christ here today, has a divine gifting from God, and that divine gifting from God must be deployed so that you can give your maximum contribution to the local church, which is the hope of the world. There is no other organization on this planet that is more important than the local church. No oil company, no business, no nothing. The local church is God's tool to reach the world and you get to be a part of it. So now we need to get teachers teaching and leaders leading and apostles launching new churches and evangelists reaching people and servants serving, administrators administrating, worshiping, worshipers worshiping, servants serving, each member playing their part, doing their part because this is the most important thing that God has called us to be a part of in the world is being a part of the church that reaches people who are far from God. So we need to play our part because this is way more important than anything else I do in my life. God tapped on my shoulder and said, I want you to be a part of this place. We have to be a church where we give generously, a church where we serve wholeheartedly, a church where we share with abandonment, a church where we train the rich to care for the poor, a place where we train our young people to love God so it's just a normal part of their reality. We have to be a church that prays fervently and prays even more fervently and prays even more fervently, that fasts regularly, uh uh-oh, that fasts regularly, constantly, always fasting to know God better. And we've got to stop being so focused on us. Because yes. you know what? It's not just about Love City Church. The church is the hope of the world. Right. So the, when another church does great, when another church succeeds, when another church is launched, when another church sees fruit, that is a win for the kingdom of God. That's a win for us. 
That's why we give our money to bless other churches and sow seeds into different churches because we believe it's not just about Love City Church Kingdom. It's about the church, the local church. So with my remaining time, I want to take a few moments because if our goal is to create an environment where people can experience and express the love of Jesus and the church is the hope of the world, what we do really matters. So I want to give you four things wrapped up into three that we will do, that we're going to start doing as a church, which you already do a lot of. The leadership team has been able to put some flesh to it. And I cannot wait. Mark your calendar. We have team nights. Anybody can come, but it's specific for our team every fourth Sunday of the month. Saturday, sorry, Saturday of the month. Register Saturday, 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 Saturday. <laughs> We're going to worship. My wife and I are going to share vision. We're going to give away prizes and gifts and have ice cream stuff and fun and give out stuff. It's going to be fun. We'll pray. We'll seek God's face. It's going to be awesome. Anybody can come, but we're going to focus on the team. But on November 20, the 4th, Saturday of November, we're going to have a, uh, that Sunday, we're going to have a vision cast on that Sunday. And the vision that I have for you for next year is so bigger than we can all fathom that it requires every single one of you to say, "Mm, I'm in. In fact, I have a specific instruction for every single person in the room to say, I'm going to sign up to be a part of that. And I believe God's going to do something significant. But let me give you these, these, these uh, four things real quick. First thing is, is that the, our church needs to be a place where you can make friends. I hear this a lot from people. Man, Ryan, I feel like where's the community? And I need community. And we all need community, especially the, the, the younger uh, single folks and the older single folks. I find that, uh, that there's just this need for community. Friendship, lo- loneliness is a big deal. So I want to be a place where people can make friends and where people can grow in their walk with God. And so we believe we want to do all that, which another way of saying grow with our walk with God is discipleship. We want to do that through our groups. Today is a sign-up for groups. It starts today. We also have a youth uh, uh, alpha thing from 9 to 15 or so. Uh, that you can go be a part of that. We have a ladies group. My wife's doing a Bible study that starts tomorrow night, and I'm doing a men's group with uh, Andrew Ling every uh, second and fourth Thursday of the month at the glorious time of 6.30 (laughs) a.m. Eating breakfast and reading the Bible. See, we have to understand something about groups, is that groups are a vital part of our reality. Galatians 5.25 says this, Now since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. Then, or this will happen, when we set aside our self-interest and work together to create true community instead of a culture consumed by provocation, pride, and envy. Look at that. How many of you want to stay in perfect sync with God's Spirit? Paul here says, okay, well then the way to do this is to work together to create true community. Look what he says at the end. If you don't work together to create true community, it says instead it will become a consumer culture. So having a self-interest is okay. It's okay to have a self-interest. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't have a self-interest. We wouldn't provide good coffee and try to have a nice environment here if your self-interest didn't matter. You know, certain things like Tim Hortons. I don't like Tim Hortons, guys. Just get over it. And if I'm going to go study, I'm not going to go study in a cafeteria that's cold, Wi-Fi barely works, and the coffee sucks. Why would I do that? My self-interests matter in that case. Yours do too. 
So when you come, we want to create environments where you're comfortable and you know, where you have different groups that, that suit to your interests. We definitely want that. But if we're only focused on our self-interest, we will create a consumer culture. That's why you and I have to work together right. to create this environment. Look at what John Wesley said. North American individualism has emphasized a personal relationship with God to the point that many people who call themselves Christians think community, walking together in life-to-life accountability, is optional. But intentional Christian community is a non-negotiable part of being a healthy and effective believer. Christianity is not a religion for solitude and solitary. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Being in a group, being on a, here on a Sunday gathering are the two parts. You want to say, right, I want to experience the full gamma of the church, okay? Join a group, come every Sunday. You'll experience it. <laughs> Join a group, come on Sunday. You'll experience what God intended for you in the church because you'll get encouraged on Sunday and you'll be blessed to disciple, to make friends in groups and you'll begin to invent that. Don't l- let your life be done alone. Do life in community. I had a video here that I don't have time to show, but I can send it if you want. It's a, a lion eating a zebra. <laughs> There's no context there, is there? <laughs> I'll move on. It's a place for you to develop relationship, and it's a place for you to grow. Every Christian in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you are not in a, a group, and obviously I strongly encourage you to be a part of groups we're offering. Some of you I know are in other types of groups that have different churches. Fantastic. Just make sure that you're making Christian friends or making friends and that you're being discipled because our arm of discipleship in this church is our groups. You say, Ryan, I don't like those four groups. Well, this semester you're just going to have to get over it, no offense, and just a- engage and say, you know what? I don't really like Alpha, but I'm going to go because Pastor Ryan said to go. I don't really like men's groups at 6.30 a.m., but I'm going to set my alarm and be 30 minutes late every time. Like, I don't like this, but you know what? I want to encourage you, don't make it about your consumer interests. Make it about investing into relationship. Okay? So next term, term you say, well, Ryan, I want to cook with Christians. I want to call it C to C. That was so stupid. I'm sorry. Start a cooking group. Say, Ryan, I want to have a, a small group for ladies in the church who are single. Start it this next January. You say, Ryan, I want to pray. Start it. Ryan, I want to do finance, learn about finances. Start it. Ryan, I want to get a bunch of young adults together and I want to hang out and drink coffee and I just want to be together with a bunch of young adults. I'm hoping I'll meet my future spouse, but that's not the ultimate objective. I just want to get together. Start it. The way for you to start working towards your spiritual gift in your life and to create community together is to not wait for the pastor to organize all the groups. You organize the group too. You want to do something? Start it, start it, start it. And you can talk to Julie about that. (laughs) Secondly today, very importantly, is I'm going to say what's next. Actually, um, this is our way of discovering your purpose. And what we're going to do is it's called Next Steps Class, but this little card here, if you're new today, my wife's going to talk about it in a minute. You just fill this out in the back. You tell us there's next steps, there's a, a group's baptism. If you want to stay in the loop, listen online. And there's a perforated bottom of this that you fill out 
tell us where you're at in the church and what your journey's like. Give us your name. We'll give you a Bible and, and a gift. And uh, it's our way of just connecting with you. But our Next Steps class is our way, and we've actually changed the whole thing. Many of you have gone through it. We're gonna read, we've redone the whole thing. And so now we're going to create an environment for us to be able to partner with you to figure out what is your spiritual gifting. We're actually going to partner with you with someone in the church you're going to have coffee with and figure it out together. And then we can move on to our teams. Our teams is where you can make a difference. So you're making a difference with, our, with, with teams, the, the greatest mission on the planet, where we are all about seeing people come to Jesus Christ, and you're all about seeing people know God better, and so this is the greatest mission on the planet. So once you discover your purpose, man, I'm really good at hospitality, or I'm really good at construction, or I'm really good at leadership, or man, I'm really good at, I'm really good teacher, we look at that spiritual gift, the divine gift God's given you, and we will begin to partner with you on a journey to get you to the right place in the local church so you feel like you are actually making a difference with your life. 86% of professed born-again Christians, statistics show, do not know what their purpose is. When we have the greatest divine gift from Jesus, he gives us function, purpose. So we find it in our jobs, we find it in relationships, and all those things are okay. But I'm here to tell you today that if you want to experience purpose and fulfillment like you've never experienced it before. Join our team as we try to reach the city of Calgary for the kingdom of God. As we plant churches and as we send international missionaries and as we reach out to the hungry and the lost and the broken, join the team and let's do this thing together. Two most important days of your life, Mark Twain says, when you're born and when you find out why. You were created for a purpose. God created you. Did you know that you were created in Him and for Him? That's what the Bible says. Look at this. In Colossians 1.16, For in Him all things are created. Look at the bold at the bottom. All things have been created through Him and for Him. So you say, Ryan, how was I created? Well, you were created by Him, through Him, and for Him. Lastly here this morning, how are we going to do this? How are we going to spread the message of Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to have groups where we have friends and community and discipleship and growth. We're going to have a class where you can begin to work towards your spiritual gift and we're going to partner with you, somebody. We have a team where not only on Sunday there's, we're revamping everything with all of our teams here, but also small groups, leaders or teams and international mission trip. Next year we're going to do a national mission trip to Sicily. Hello, Sicily. Maybe do a trip to Israel. So we're going to have a small group at the beginning of the year that might try to make that happen. So this is how we're going to teams like that. The last one, Sunday gatherings. It's a place to experience and experience and express the love of Jesus. Now, I mean, in my heart, I believe that the Lord wants to shift us as a church. Shift our focus to the people in this city who don't know the Lord. We want, to, we want to reshape how we do our Sunday gatherings so that when that unbeliever, that person far from God, that person hurt by the church comes in this room, they sense love and compassion. They sense the music is well done and Christ-centered and gospel-centered, that the gospel is being preached and they sense love and encouragement and life and people are doing life together and they have a clear journey to step towards their walk with God. We want this environment to not just be about a bunch of Christians getting fatter, but a bunch of Christians experiencing the love of Jesus and having an opportunity to express the love of Jesus. 
three things about the church. The church is a place to celebrate what God has done. Remember, have faith, have expectancy. God is in this place. We get to celebrate what God has done. God's given me breath and life. He's protected me. He's guarded me. Yeah, life stinks right now, and this is hard, and this is hard. But maybe when I come today, if I begin to celebrate what God has done in my life, maybe the person over here who's experiencing something really bad can be encouraged by what I'm going through, that God is good even when life really sucks. As followers of Jesus, we have the greatest message on the planet. And we should come in here knowing, man, I get to be in the presence of my God. We're all about celebration. I want to smile and celebrate. Even when life stinks, I will yet praise the Lord. Secondly, here this morning, Sunday gatherings are a place to encourage followers of Jesus to remind them of their purpose. That we exist to be a witness to those who don't know Jesus. That we exist, that's our existence. And you'll find the greatest fulfillment in that. And my job is to encourage you in that way. But if you're looking for me to go like super, super heavy, heavy, doctrinal, theologically deep on a Sunday, I want to encourage you something. Get into a group where Joel's going to teach a doctrine class. Because we want to make sure that this environment's environment where we're speaking life and he doesn't know he's doing that, he just found out. We want to be in an environment where people can come and hear the hope and life of Jesus Christ and we can get them into a, a next steps class and then they figure out what they're here for and they get into a group and now they're in a group they learn about theology and doctrine and intercession and prayer and freedom from addiction in their life and they have somebody doing it with them and partnering and doing life together. Do you see how this works? We're journeying people towards discipleship and knowing God better. It's not just about the Sunday morning but we use this Sunday morning to be a hope to the world. Now, I'll preach like I always preach. I always say tough stuff, so don't worry if you like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Lastly here today, my last thought I want to share is that the purpose of our Sunday gathering is a place where people that are unchurched or far from God can hear and experience the love of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to read the last verse, and then Steph's going to come and Take the mic from me. <laughs> I want to read a scripture to you as I just end our time just to reaffirm this idea of love. And I want you to do me a favor. You can look at the screen or you can close your eyes for a minute. Let me read this beautifully, beautiful poetic scripture to you. If you're in the room today and you say, Ryan, I'm far from God, man. Like I just, I feel so distant from the Lord. I want to, I want to read this to you today. I want to read this scripture to you. It's in Romans chapter 8. Look what it says. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one, Jesus? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions? What about deprivations? What about dangers and death threats? Nope, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written all day long, we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet, even in the midst of all of these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors and has demonstrated love as our glorious victory over everything. So now, I live with the confidence that there is nothing in this universe with the power to separate me from God's love. 
I am convinced that this love will triumph over death. Life's troubles fall on angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or our future circumstances that can weaken God's love for me. There's no power above us. There's no power beneath us. There's no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed you close your eyes for one second today come on you're here today and two people i want to pray for first person you're here today and you say ryan i don't know jesus you talk about this god this love these things and i i want to be a part of that and you're here today and you say ryan i just want to give my life to the lord maybe you've done that before and you've fallen away you say man i want to make a recommitment today come on would you just place your hand in the air i'm not going to pull you forward I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see your hand today so I know who I'm praying for. Come on, fantastic. Want anybody else today? Come on, I won't embarrass you. Just gives me an opportunity to know who I can pray for throughout the week, and we'll talk to you later today. But come on, anyone here today? Say, Ryan, I just want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to experience this life-saving power of God in my life. Come on, raise your hand right now one more time. Come on, fantastic. Come on, guys. Two people just gave their lives to the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Okay, next people I want to pray for today are those in the room who say, Ryan, man, I've been going to church for a long time, but I'm ready. I'm ready to get on the team. I'm ready to jump in. I want to be a part of this life-giving message of Jesus. I want to be a part of the hope of the world. I want to be a part of the church today. Come on, if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand in the air just like you don't care and show it to me today and say, come on, I want to be a part of that church today. Come on, lace your hands in the air. Don't be afraid. I won't embarrass you. Come on, all throughout the room today. Okay, let me pray. Let me pray first for the first group. Come on, the whole church today, let's just uh, repeat after me as I pray, as they pray this as well. Let's join with them. Lord Jesus, I come to you today broken, hurting, and I feel lost. I need you in my life. So I surrender everything. I give you my sin, my guilt, my shame, my worry, my fear, I give it all to you. And this day, Lord, I want to serve you. Would you come into my heart? Come into my life. Transform my mind. Transform my heart. And change me forever. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, I want to pray for the rest of you today. Father, I just pray for the, the tons of people that raise their hands today, Lord who want to be a part of your church. Now, Lord, today, we, Father, stand at attention. We say, Lord, we want to be a part of this church, God. We want to be a part of the church that makes an impact in the world. We want to be a part of the church that sees people come back to you. We want to be a part of an environment, God, that has hope and joy and discipleship and grace and, and spiritual giftings being functioned, God. I pray today for every person that raised their hand that they would no longer allow fear to keep them from stepping forward. They would no longer have excuses of why they can't. But today, Lord, I pray that they would make a confident, concrete decision in their heart that they are going to lay their lives down for the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray today that your spirit would come. 
And then every person, Father, who raised their hand today would experience a fresh life, Lord. Every person in the room today would experience fresh life in their hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.